Ken Miller. Trent Condon. Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM. All right, good morning, everybody. Welcome in. Miller and Condon here on a Wednesday. Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3 KXNO. Ken Miller uh, with you for the next couple of hours. Trent, uh, day two of his vacation. He is back one week from today. So we'll go solo for the rest of the week and until uh, he gets back here. BMW of Des Moines guest list looks like this. Uh, in about 10 minutes or so, we're going to talk. Uh, I'm going to double dip on my friend Nick Oson from Cyclone Alert, who normally joins us on Monday. But uh, as he he teased on Monday, and he wasn't alone. A lot of the uh, Cyclone media thought that this was going to happen. But Nick's been all over this for some time. Omaha Baloo is indeed a Cyclone. Is this it? Uh, is uh, is there still another domino to fall? So we'll pick Nick's brain on this. We'll get what it means uh, from him for a few minutes coming up here in about 10 minutes. Uh, we're going to stay under the 24-7 umbrella. As we'll head to Indianapolis after that, uh, David Eichold, Hawkeye Insider, the uh, 24-7 Iowa site. He's in Indianapolis. He will recap what he saw on uh, Tuesday and then uh, take a look at uh, what if there has been any news, uh, newsworthy items that have come forward here this morning. But we'll head to Indianapolis, get the latest on Big Ten Media Days with a strong Hawkeye lean with a Hawkeye guy, David Eichold. Uh, River uh, Valley... Little League, kind of making a little bit of news here, um, just uh, for the fact that they, they need some help. It's a, um, um, look, a lot of kids have played there, right? You've taken your kids there for a number of years in, in all likelihood, and uh, they're starting to run a little short on volunteers. It's a Raccoon Valley. What's say River Valley? Raccoon Valley. Uh, so we'll talk to uh, Ross Edwards uh, from Raccoon Valley coming up here. Give him four or five minutes. They've got a golf tournament coming up. Publicize that a little bit. Try to give the folks over at Raccoon Valley uh, a little uh, publicity, not only about their tournament, but what they've got going on there as they try to keep that uh, uh, as popular as it once was over the years. Uh, so that's the first hour of the program. Bama Bob's going to join us. going to finish up on the Big Ten. We didn't come anywhere close to finishing our Big Ten conversation. That will probably dominate the uh, segment, but we will get into a little bit of the ACC with Bama Bob. And then David Kaplan. It's Wednesday. That means Cappy is here. Boy, it was kind of sad watching Wilson Contreras on Wrigley Field yesterday at the end of the game. Uh, both he and Ian Happ, in all likelihood, played their final home game at Wrigley as the rumors are persistent uh, that neither one of those guys will be a Cub when the uh, t- team comes back next week, which would be after the uh, trade deadline. They hit the road. Wilson Contreras stayed on the field, hugged every single one of his teammates. The uh, people in the stands realized what was going on and certainly showed their appreciation for a guy that uh, a lot of folks, including my 1135 guest, would wish that they would resign. But it is... It's not going to happen. It is a full-blown teardown over on the north side, as Contreras will say, bid uh, farewell. Likewise, in all likelihood, Ian Happ, Roberson, the closer as well. Uh, so a lot of change uh, coming uh, in Chicago. So that's the BMW Des Moines guest list. Before we get to uh, to Nick Olson, we'll get to him in about five or six minutes. Uh, I th- Watching the Big Ten Media Days yesterday, it, it just, boy, I was so wrong on the Big Ten Network. What a, what a great, uh, great tool 
Um, they, they do a terrific job over there. Hiring Dave Revson, who left SportsCenter. At the time, I thought he made an egregious career decision. Who might have talked career decision? God, I'm the last person <laughs> when it comes to this. But I thought that uh, – I didn't think it was going to succeed. I'll be perfectly honest with you. I didn't think that um, – the public would be willing to pay what I deemed, and I wasn't the only one, a Big Ten tax if you weren't in a Big Ten market. Whether you, if you watch TV and have a cable subscription or a satellite subscription, whether you want it or not, um, you have to pay, I think it was at 10 cents every home, um, 10 cents a month to the Big Ten network. I just didn't think that uh, that would be a business model that any ch- had any chance in hell of succeeding, succeeding, but it did. But, man, watching the Big Ten network yesterday, and I don't watch a ton, I watch games. Um, but and you also watch events like we saw last night. When there's a coach gets fired or a coach get hired, they go live to it, uh, as opposed to the Pac-12 network that doesn't have those resources. But the Big Ten network does, and them being on the scene uh, in Indianapolis – uh, was I thought it was really good television. I thought yesterday was a horrible day for the Pac-12, and, and I'll tell you why I thought the, it was a horrible day for the Pac-12. And it wasn't even their day, right? This was this was the Big Ten's media days. But it was a bad day for the Pac-12, in my opinion. Now, John Wilner and John Canzaro, two longtime uh, guys that have covered the Pac-12, who up until yesterday were very vocal uh, in their belief that, you know, you guys have it all wrong over in Big 12 country. You're not the one that's going to be left standing. Your conference is in big trouble. Meanwhile, us will call the shots, even though the two heavy heads from LA, the L.A. market have left town and are headed to the, uh, to the Big Ten. It was a bad day for the Pac-12 yesterday because when it became uh, apparent, when Kevin Warren uttered the words that he did uh, at his um, opening remarks yesterday, when he said, and I'm paraphrasing here, they are in the Big Ten is in year two, and I'm assuming he also means maybe college football wide or college athletics wide. They're in year two of a three to five year period of disruption in college athletics. What does that mean? Well, maybe it means that the athletes are going to be able to be compensated. I certainly hope that's the case, and it looks as though that is. But what it also means is the conferences that we've been used to over the last, I don't know, 15, 20 years, this century, um, especially at the power five level, they're about to take a hit. They are not going to look the same. And Brett McMurphy went a step further. And here's why maybe for the first time, uh, very, uh, very few circumstances where you don't want to be wanted, right? Everybody wants to be wanted. But the list I'm about to read, you tell me what's missing off of this list. Here's Brett McMurphy paraphrasing what he believes he's been told Kevin Warren's handful of schools that would add value to the Big Ten. Well, we know Notre Dame. Take Notre Dame, put it over all by itself. We know they want Notre Dame. But here's the rest of the list. Here are the final six teams that apparently are getting a long look from the Big Ten if they do indeed expand. And listening to Kevin Warren, they're only in year two of a three- to five-year window. That, to me, tells me that expansion is far from over. Here's the remaining schools. Oregon, Washington, Stanford, Cal, and then two ACC schools, Miami and Florida State. Those are the schools that apparently the Big Ten is going to consider when it comes to expansion. There any hope that the Pac-12 is going to take ESPN's uh, media rights offer 
and willingly sign on the dotted line, and while they're at it, give up their grant of rights for any length of time is utterly ridiculous. Because if you're Oregon, and you're Washington, Stanford, and Cal, and that phone rings, you are going to knock each other over to get to it and answer it, and you are going to exit stage right as soon as you possibly can. But who's not on that list? There's not a Big 12 school listed amongst those targets uh, for the Big 10 if indeed there is expansion. Again, Warren said they're in year two of a three- to five-year window. That tells me they're not done. The Big 12 is in a perfect spot. They're not wanted. (laughs) But you know what? For the other schools, like in Arizona, an Arizona State, maybe a Utah, maybe a Colorado, who knows how far it goes, That may be, when it's all said and done, if Oregon, Washington, or Stanford and Cal, and I keep bringing this guy's name up and Condon shoots me down and tells me to get away from it and stop listening to this guy, and I'm not listening to him, but I'm following him on Twitter. Remember the crap we gave Sir Yacht during the COVID years when the Big Ten was going to play football? And who's this blogger in Ohio who seems to be getting everything right? And he did. Well, there's a guy that's followed this very closely. And over the weekend, he put on Stanford and Cal as potential targets for the Big Ten. And people blew back and laughed at him. Well, Stanford and Cal are on this list. Not saying it's going to happen, but maybe, maybe, maybe some of the guys you wouldn't think, or I have no idea if it's a guy or a man or a woman, but he had Stanford and Cal on the target list. The Big 12's not on that list. The Big 12 might be a safety net for some of the left behinds. And you know what? That's okay, because you're not going to be the SEC. You're not going to be the Big Ten. We know that. We know that. Oklahoma and Texas are gone. You've got a pretty decent group of 12 schools that are going to be left behind. And oh, by the way, if you add some of the not wanted in the Pac-12s and you get to 16 or 18 or 20, you're clearly going to be that third conference because the Pac-12 isn't going to survive. It sure looks like that to me. Tell me where I'm wrong. Three to five year window of disruption in college athletics straight from the commissioner's mouth. Then the targets of schools that tells me the Pac-12, if you think you're staying together, you're going to be lowballed from ESPN. They're bidding against themselves. Fox doesn't want them. I'm convinced of that. And Oregon and Washington and Stanford and Cal, there's no way in hell they are going to sign a grant of rights. Heck, they may not even be willing to uh, forfeit any cash as an exit penalty. They're holding the cards here if there's any chance for an Oregon state or a Washington state to remain somewhat viable. Sure, we'll take less money. Just don't, don't leave. Don't leave. It was a bad day yesterday for the Pac-12. I truly believe that. Um, we'll see how it plays out. Obviously, we don't know the answers. Everybody's trying to take these puzzle pieces and make them fit. But I think we got a couple of pieces that we just figured out where they go on this jigsaw puzzle that's been a nightmare trying to put together. That's how I see it. By the way, um, I'd love to tweet the guest list for the Miller and Condon Twitter account. And if you're reaching out, uh, I, I don't have access to it. Uh, Trent runs the account, and, and I don't have passwords or how to get on it. So um, 
We're just going to fly by with uh, without the Miller and Condon Twitter until he gets back. Anyways, Nick Olson coming up. Omaha Baloo is a cyclone. Is it over? What does this mean? We said yesterday, um, look, when TJ Otzelberger was here before, this is no secret. He can flat out recruit, right? That's why he was such a coveted commodity as he uh, waited his turn by this time, learned uh, on the way up the ladder, but he was known as a bulldog of a recruiter. Look at the roster at Iowa State when he was there. And he's come back, as we know. And if anything, it's ratcheted up another couple of notches. And oh, by the way, after what we saw last year, after what we saw the commitment to the defensive end of the floor that Iowa State for the first time in a long time showed and did so because their head coach demanded it, he's a leader. And they're following the leader. And he can recruit. And it looks like he can lead. And the X's and O's are there, and I was dead wrong. I thought it was the lazy way out uh, hiring him. Like the guy, never said anything about that. Always have liked T.J. Otzelberger, but man, oh man, oh man, uh, Jamie Pollard looks like you've um, you went out of the park on this one. They now, I think Nick Olson, who's going to join me right now. Nick, thanks for doing this for me. I think I saw you tweet yesterday that at twenty four seven, the two thousand twenty three class is up to number three in the country. Is that right? Yes, sir. Just trailing the blue blood Duke and Kentucky right now, I believe. That's bananas. That's absolutely wild. Iowa State. Now, look, that can change, right? I mean, when it's when it's all said and done, are they still going to be? I mean, what 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 does this mean, Nick? Help me out. I mean, we don't know what what the schools that are just behind them recruiting, who they're going to, you know, what four star, five star, if indeed they're going to add somebody to twenty three. But worst case scenario, will this finish as a top fifteen class if they hold it together? Yeah, I, I think comfortably top fifteen. You know, a lot of people on my my boards and myself included, we're just doing some class calculations compared to the last couple of years, and if this was it. This would be in the 13 to 16 range, which is obviously very good. I, I just have a feeling based on kind of the overall feel of this 2023 class and the way some of the top guys are likely to spread out, you know, some to Kentucky, some UNC, some Michigan State. I think it likely will be a little closer to that 11 to 12 range. Mm. So it's not going to end up, you know, number three. But, I mean, the players that they've gotten, you know how high I was on Momchilovich, and now obviously a five-star, in addition to Jelani Hamilton from Georgia, it's special. And, you know, T.J. Otzelberger deserves a ton of credit, as does assistant coach J.R. Blount, because he was the lead, the primary recruiter technically, on all three of these plays. That's amazing. Are they done, Nick? I think when you we had you on Monday... I picked up that you were kind of teasing, hinting that, yeah, blue, is is it blue or blue? I've heard both. Do you, help me out there. Do you know Omaha Blue? Yeah, comfortably, just kind of a, a little easy on the beat, Omaha Blue. So just kind of gotcha. and, uh, letting it flow through. Yes, sir. Gotcha. Okay, so back to Monday. You're with us on Mondays, as you always are. And you're telling us that uh, you thought it's going to be a very good day for, for our very good week, is what you said, for Iowa State. But I kind of picked up that you thought that, Maybe I'm wrong. This might not be the only uh, recruit that T.J. Otzelberger and staff are, are able to land this week. Is there potentially more? So you were, you were right that I don't think the class is necessarily done. However, I don't really think this week. Uh, a name that you know I, I'm happy to say now because I spoke with him, 
uh, was actually one of Blue's teammates in AAU. His name's Caden Fish. Uh, there will be an article about him coming out tomorrow. There's some interest there. Now, he's visiting Xavier, he confirmed with me this week. But he's somebody that, you know, Iowa State seems to like. He likes Iowa State, and he likes the idea of potentially playing with Omaha at the next level. But he's also a power forward. And now, obviously, they kind of have two star power forwards at that point. So I still think to me, you know, I've said it really since April or May, I think the magic number for me is four in this class. I do think they're going to get that. But now that they've really hit, without a doubt, their top two targets, and you could argue three with the guard in Hamilton, they're not feeling too much, uh, you know, pressure or a need to kind of reach for players right now, nor should they be sitting with the class in the top three in the country in Ames. Hmm. Uh, scrolling through your Twitter over the last couple of weeks, I know that you were um, on the road over in Sioux Falls, and you saw a kid, a center, a big kid. It looks like he's about 12, but maybe since I'm in my 60s, they all look so young, right? A kid by the name of J.T. Rock. Um, what, where, where is he look? I mean, who's looking at him, and what's the likelihood? Uh, give me his measurables, if you would. Yeah, I'm glad you brought him up today because I was excited to talk with you guys about him. So he's he's a true seven feet tall, just mm-hmm. above it, quite honestly. I was able to speak with him and his family out in Sioux Falls. So he's a little over seven feet. He's about, you know, I think in the 230, 235 range. But obviously he's very, you know, somewhat thin still. He's got plenty of room to add muscle on that frame. And Iowa State is doing a terrific job with him right now he's a top priority for 2024 you know i'm sure you saw kyle green and tj otzelberger both made the trip out to sioux falls where i was to you know scout him kyle green was there all weekend and i think iowa state is in a good place right now as i put on my board i wouldn't trade places with anyone per se if i'm the cyclones but Iowa's going to be up there purdue's going to be up there with their success you know kind of recruiting seven footers and being Mm -hmm. able to develop them for sure and then Creighton is making a tough push too they had their head coach at everything over the weekend and you know I know that they're making him a priority too so I think that Iowa State will likely get him on an official this fall and you kind of go from there but he's a 2024 that I don't think is going to take quite as long a to develop because he's already ridiculously skilled and b to make that decision so they're in a good place there as they really seem to be with a lot of 2024 guys. Uh, back to Omaha Blue for a second. Uh, who was, um, I, I guess, who finished second and third? Who was Iowa State? I mean, who caused Blue to, I'm not saying the decision uh, came late in the day yesterday. It seemingly has been known for a while in some circles, one of which you I can find you in. Uh, but But who do you think was the main competition for him when it's all said and done, Nick? Yeah, I would say at the college level, Oregon. Mm-hmm. I know that he had the Kansas offer, but I didn't get the sense they were necessarily making him a priority like some of these other schools were. Oregon, that was legit. And then, you know, the G League right. was kind of looking into things as well, and I know that he felt some interest there. But, you know, to me, for a program level and for his development, I think this is really going to help under the tutelage of this staff and obviously – I heard you speaking on TJ's focus on defense and, and things like that with Otzelberger. I think it's really going to be good for him, and I think it will allow Baloo to get to that NBA level, which he has the body and the work ethic to do. There are still areas that he can get a little more skilled and developed offensively, but 
you know, I think it's a win-win for all parties. I really do. Nick, do you think that, uh, I mean, is the plan right now, if you had to bet, would you bet that he's only there at Iowa State for one year? Is this the type of player he is? I've never seen him play. Yeah, I know that there's potential there, and I've kind of garnered that that is what, you know, ideally he would like to do. Mm -hmm. As of this moment, just based on how I've seen Iowa State develop, and like I said, his work ethic is what will jump off the page the most. I would bet that. Uh, you know, I don't think he's ready for the league right now, but I don't think that he necessarily has to kind of go crazy offensively in a weaker class to really get that opportunity. And I think playing with Momchilovich is going to be huge for him. Just think of the, the pick-and-pop game, two six eight six nine guys being able to screen back out, pop and shoot with Momchilovich. It'll be pretty smooth for both of them. And I do think they both end up in the NBA eventually. Uh, keep up with Nick. Uh, Nick's Twitter account, the real Nick Osen, O S E N, the real Nick Osen. That's where you can follow him on Twitter, cyclonalert.com under the 24 7 umbrella. Nick, thanks for uh, letting us double dip with you this week. Uh, had you Monday break back with us on Wednesday uh, with that big news. We'll talk to you next Monday. Thank you, Nick Osen. Appreciate you popping on. Appreciate you, my friend. Talk to you soon. Yep. Take care. Nick Olson, 24-7 sports, cyclonealert.com. So the beat goes on. Worst case scenario, they finish in the teens. Iowa State, unbelievable. Well done, TJ Otzelberger. Hilton Coliseum. I saw a friend for tweeting about it yesterday that, um, when Iowa State's got a squad, that place, you mentioned it uh, in the uh, same breath with some of the bigger names. Big arenas, certainly in the Big 10, our Big 12, rather, um, in the fog. Wow, good stuff. All right, uh, we're going to stay with 24-7 sports. From the Cyclones to the Hawkeyes, David Eicholt, you'll find him in Indianapolis, or we'll find him in Indianapolis. You'll hear him here next. David Eicholt joins me next. So we take you until noon on Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3 KXNO. Now back to Miller and Condon on 106.3 KXNO. Here's Ken and Trent. All right, welcome back, Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3 KXNO, taking you up until noon. Trent's on vacation, coming up in hour number two. Uh, Bama Bob and I will talk. We'll finish our Big Ten conversation that we didn't have time to squeeze everything in yesterday and take a look at the ACC as we spend the next few days uh, uh, taking a look at all the Power Five conferences. In the future, we may only need three days for this uh, exercise. If we do get to uh, three conferences, we shall see. David Eicholtz in Indianapolis, Hawkeye. Insider, uh, part of twenty four seven Sports. He joins me, David Ken. Thanks for coming on, David Eichold. How are you? Hey, things going good, Ken. Always good catching up with you, especially after a busy, busy about forty hour stretch. And uh, definitely not going to slow down anytime soon. No, it's a blast. I, I love it. Can't wait. And hopefully, fingers crossed uh, that this event gets back to Chicago next summer. Just, just selfishly on that for before we get into the team. What's the likelihood that happens? It seems that the momentum is kind of growing to go back to Chicago. Are you hearing anything? You know, I do think that they like it in, in, in Indianapolis, especially with Lucas Oil Stadium and the Big Ten Championship being held here. And you know, selfishly, I would wouldn't mind going back to Chicago, but I will say it's definitely pretty pretty organized here in Lucas mm-hmm. Oil, and I'm actually a big fan of the way they uh, they've gotten it done, especially this year. So, you know, who knows? We'll see. But uh, like you said, I definitely would not mind being uh, 
being able to go to Chicago for a couple of days on uh, not my dime. Yeah, absolutely. In a special place uh, in the summer, no doubt about it. Well, let's before we get into Iowa and what you heard yesterday, maybe some of the other coaches that took the podium, uh, if indeed you had the opportunity to listen and weren't uh, chasing Hawkeye players or coaches around after uh, they got finished up. But Kevin Warren, I thought he made some news yesterday by uh, basically we're in year two of a three or three to five year disruption of college athletics. I thought that was a bad, bad sign for the Pac-12 personally. Uh, but when he said, what was that? Uh, that sounds to me like um, expansion's not over. How did you take it, David? That's the way I took. But I also think that he's looking for a perfect match. They're not going to expand just to expand. I think that was the key thing. And, you know, I've been very critical of Kevin Warren uh, throughout his first two years. I think that's a secret to absolutely nobody who's followed, mm-hmm. followed me. But I thought yesterday was, without a doubt, his best public appearance. I thought he was... Uh, had was had strong convictions. I thought he articulated himself incredibly well. I think he, I don't want to say the term buzzwords, but he, he was very direct with what his plans for the future are, and I think it's without a doubt that the, the Big Ten's trying to lead the way. Uh, and I'll, I'll say compete with the SEC because I think you agree with me on this. Yep. It's getting to the point where it's the SEC, it's the Big Ten, then a huge drop-off and everybody else. Yeah, I, Kevin Warren knows that there's an opportunity there. Yeah, couldn't agree with you more. I mean, we may be left with uh, three power conferences, and I, I like the place the Big 12 is in because the, the schools that are mentioned is maybe targets if indeed they do get to expansion. There wasn't a Big 12 school on that list, and I think for the first time in a long time, it's good not to be wanted. Uh, there, there's uh, um, that, that tells me that the, these teams – are going to be there, and if you if, if you do, if you're a leftover, and I don't want to call them that, but Arizona and Arizona State and Utah and Colorado or, um, you know, whatever, uh, I think the Big 12 will be clearly number three, but there'll be a spot for them. So let's get to the uh, nuts and bolts of what you heard yesterday. Um, did you ask the Wisconsin question to Kayvon Merriweather yesterday? First thing that comes to your mind when you hear the name Wisconsin, was that you? No, I think it was the Wisconsin reporter, okay. but I thought that was really funny. But I will say, Kayvon Merriweather probably put together the most fun interview I've had. I mean, I spent the majority of my time talking to him. I mean, what what a perfect representation for, for Iowa. And it's kind of been amazing to see his uprise because if you remember, he was a low two-star guy. Yeah. He had offers for basketball, did not even football. Then he committed to Iowa on the second signing day and the late signing day. And then, obviously, we've seen what he's done now, and I think he's in for – for, for a big year as well. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree with you more, and uh, certainly is a media favorite. So how do you think uh, Wisconsin fans, when he when he answered first word, trash, uh, but he very quickly you know, said, you know, I'm just p- playing around type of thing. But will that show up? Will that be used against him, do you think? I mean, obviously, you know, you're not going to put the whole sentence on the bulletin board if you want to use it to your advantage. How do you think that goes over? <laughs> You know, I don't think it's that big a deal. I mean, like you said, he quickly kind of corrected himself. You could tell he was just playing around. And I think it's very important that, you know, you do put up the full clip because I, I obviously could have clipped it just <laughs> nice. trash. But, it's, uh, you know, I, I, don't, I don't think it'll be used like that. I think Wisconsin and Iowa is such an interesting rivalry, I mm-hmm. think, because I think it's one of the few rivalries where they actually do have a lot of respect for one another, and there's kind of the underlying factor of it because they're so similar in so many ways. I mean, I don't think you can say that about Minnesota, Iowa, Iowa, Iowa State. There's no respect there. They want to kick the crap out of each other every single time. And not that Wisconsin and Iowa doesn't, but again, there's the underlying respect that they're kind of built on similar foundations. Uh, Coach Ferentz was asked about Xavier Wampa not being part of the two deeps. What what, What do we read into that, if anything? 
I don't think you do. I mean, the the too deep is just the too deep to put up. I mean, and, you know, he was asked after. He just said, hey, look, what can Xavier Wampa do for you this year? And he just said, look, he can be an immediate impact guy. He has a chance to do so. And I think he's just going to be too talented to keep off the field. I think when he arrived as an early enrollee, I think that was a huge key, obviously. Mm-hmm. But it's going to come down to what can he do in fall camp and how, how much does he progress in spring practice. And I think without doubt, he's definitely going to be able to uh, – to continue the upward trend, I mean, Kayvon Merriweather raved about X yesterday. I asked him about Cooper and, and a couple other just guys in general. He immediately pointed out Xavier and just said he's been mm. a, film room, a film room hound. He's been asking every DB, all this other stuff, just to go watch film with him. What should I do here? This, this, and this. And I think when you see a freshman with that kind of work ethic, he's clearly serious about trying to get on the field early. Uh, Jack Campbell was also in Indianapolis. Your takeaway from listening to the uh, defensive preseason player of the year in the Big Ten? I mean, he just, he just he knows what he's about. And I think he's one of those guys where he – it was interesting. He was asked a question about, you know, what, what are you trying to accomplish this year? And he said, I'm trying to be the best version of myself if that's being the Big Ten defensive player of the year, if it's me being a third-string long snapper. He said, I'm just trying to be the best version of myself. And, you know, people might kind of scoff at that, but Jack Campbell is the way he says it, getting to know him over the last couple of years. I mean, I, I actually do believe him. <laughs> He'd be content as long as Iowa continues uh, to win games. But, I mean, when you're compared to Josie Jewell and, and Pat Anger and being mm. called the heartbeat of the defense, that's about as high as praise that I think as you can get from Kirk. And I have high expectations from going into this year, and I think obviously everybody else does too. Pat Anger had a nice career in the NFL. Josie Jules continues to have a nice career uh, in the NFL and is a big part of that uh, Denver Bronco defense. You know what uh, strikes me when when uh, Coach Ferentz talks about him? He, he, he always uh, refers to his height, right? Because he, as he's mentioned, and he's right, you, you don't get too many six foot five impact linebackers uh, in, in Iowa, and they've got one. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, six foot five, two hundred forty-eight pounds, and he has sideline to sideline speed. And I mean, I've been on the. I think Jack Campbell can be a first-round draft pick uh, next year. I know a lot of people are pointing now a couple of Bama linebackers as being the best in the country, but I think you got to look at Jack Campbell's up there. I mean, Will Anderson from Bama is yep, ridiculous. Right. He was my Heisman vote last year, um, and I think he should have won it. I think he can win it this year. But Jack Campbell, I mean, that's a guy that if he's, I think Kirk said it best, if he was from Atlanta, if he wasn't from Cedar Falls, that dude's racking up 30 offers coming out of high school. I mean, his tape was ridiculous. Yeah, people were criticizing. Maybe he didn't have the right ankle bend or a fit some measurable. But, I mean, he's definitely built different. I'm not going to be surprised at all if he builds his way up into a first-round draft pick this year. Uh, Ferris, when he was on uh, Big Ten uh, late, later on after he got off the podium, mentioned the fact that Tyler Goodson did the, did the coaching staff, did the program a real favor by coming to him uh, very soon after the Big Ten championship game and, and made it known uh, that, that he's going to the NFL, therefore um, paving the way for both of the Williams to get a lot of practice uh, in preparation for the bowl game and then see a lot of action in the bowl game. Uh, that was good of Goodson to do so, wish more would, uh, but that um, the running backs that are going to be there, both of these Williams certainly benefited uh, from the month of December last year. No doubt. And I think when you look at Gavin, LaShawn Williams, I mean, as good as Tyler Goodson was in the SC offensive line, obviously struggled outside of Linderbaum. I mean, Tyler Goodson is more of a, he's a game-breaking back, right? I mean, he's a guy that can turn something into nothing, but what does Iowa need more than anything else? They need consistency. They need to be able to get five yards of carry, not minus one, mm-hmm. then go for 11, then one, one, two, right? They need five, six, five, five, five. 
And I think when you look at Gavin and LaShawn and what they did against Kentucky, I think they should, they should be incredibly encouraged about what they saw. On top of that, Iowa only allowed two tackles for loss in that game. I think they had one run that was for negative yardage. And I think Gavin and LaShawn fit Iowa's scheme better than Tyler Goodson. Again, with all due respect, Tyler Goodson. And obviously, we'll see if he ends up making the Packers roster. Mm-hmm. But I, I think that I think they they are going to be a bit more consistent this year. If, if last in the end of last year was assigned for that, uh, Sam Laporta represented the the final Hawkeye in Indianapolis. Of course, the uh, tight end who's I think poised for another really good year. Uh, I'm sure he was asked about the quarterbacks and both of them, uh, whether it be Petrus and Padilla. How did he answer the quarterback question that I'm assuming came his way? I mean, he basically just said, look, it's up to all of us to be more consistent. Sam Laporta is critical of himself last year, and he just said there were so many plays that he could have made to make the job easier. And he just said, you know, the offensive line wasn't where it needed to be last year, and he seemed very encouraged about Kirk, seemed very encouraged about the offensive line, which I thought was pretty noteworthy. Um, coming out of that, obviously, with Justin Britt missing the season, that's not going to be a good sign for guard depth. But Connor Colby, I think, could take a big step forward. But it just said, look, Spencer Petras, nobody's working harder than him. And, you know, I've always been on the train that Petras has the arm talent, but I think his mechanics get so messed up when he's under pressure. And he just sort of, he starts seeing ghosts, you mm-hmm. know, after teams are breaking through the offensive line so quickly. So if he can reset himself mentally, I do think he can take a big step forward. Um, but he seemed optimistic about where the team could go. And obviously Iowa changing the passing schemes a little bit. I think that's going to help. And then he also praised uh, John Budmeyer the former Wisconsin quarterbacks coach that moved to the Iowa's offensive analyst working with Brian. They just said, I think he, he quote unquote, a godsend. So I thought that was pretty, pretty powerful language there. And he came in as a non-paid, um, but now apparently is on the payroll. Is that what I uh, led to believe? I believe. I think I, think I saw so, that. Yes. I'd, have to, I'd have to double check that, but I do believe that's true. Yeah. I think so. So what is, what uh, is his job description? If you will, David, do you, do you know? Yeah, so he technically can't be on the field working directly with the players, but Mm -hmm. he's basically consulting Brian and helping Brian coach. And I think that was just the big thing because obviously when Brian moved to quarterbacks coach, he's never coached quarterbacks, but I do think in general it's good to have your play caller working directly with with the quarterbacks on a day-to-day basis more so than other positions. So I think that's a big step forward, but I think John's really done a good job of working with Brian, teaching him, you know, schemes, watching film with him, breaking things down from a different perspective. And I think that's good. You know, again, I think it's going to pay a big thing forward. But, you know, and it goes back to this. Brian might be on the hottest hot yeah. seat as far as eyes on him for coordinator in the country because <laughs> it's obviously Kirk's son. Mm-hmm. And it's getting to the point now where not just an improvement, if Iowa doesn't come out and show immediate improvement, people are going to be, you know, up in arms and getting those pitchforks and torches yep. ready. Especially with that defense um, that they're going to bring every single Saturday. This is an opportunity here to have a very special year, and if they can get this right, wow, look uh, look out below. So having said that, and I do want to spend a couple more minutes just picking your brain on what else you heard away from Iowa yesterday. Depth in the wide receiver room, how big of an issue? I think it's a huge issue. I mean, right now, Jackson Ritter is also out for the season. I think he showed some Oh, he is? Last year. You know, wow. He is also out for the season as well. Um, that's why you saw Alec Wick as yep. Egan Johnson okay. back. But I think right now, Iowa's got six scholarship wide receivers. I think they have a solid top three with Nika Regani, Keegan, and Arlen. I think Keegan and Arlen need to be some of the focal points of what Iowa's trying to do. But below that, 
you talk about opportunity. I mean, there's so many opportunities for walk-ons or Brody Breck that can take a huge step forward. But I, I do think right now it's, it's definitely a huge issue. And, again, it doesn't help when, you know, Tyrone Tracy and, and Charlie Jones right. both transfer uh, to Purdue. So it's a big issue, but I think Iowa's got three legit tight ends. I think they have a pair of good running backs. Like, there's, there's talent on this offense, but it's going to come down to play calling and quarterback play. And if Keegan, Arlen can clean up some of the drop issues, which I think they will. I mean, Iowa's offense, I mean, they're not going to win 10 games if they have the 121st-ranked offense. Again, I don't know if they'll win six if they do that. Uh, Scott Frost, P.J. Fleck, who will, uh, Pat Fitzgerald uh, from the Big Ten West. Any of those, any of those comment, uh, coaches make any news, at least to your ear? I mean, I wouldn't say that, but I will say Scott Frost was ready to get back on the plane to Lincoln before he was <laughs> the plane landed in Indy. I mean, they start, they're kicking off yeah. camp today. Right. They, they did fan day last night, so they had to adjust the schedule. But Frost on the podium said, nope, no opening statement. I just, I'm ready to go. Wow. Asked a couple questions. He basically went, uh, you know, said a couple sentences to answer each question, and that was, that was wraps. So I think he's locked in. I think he also knows that. It's make or break. You know, I don't even know if six wins saves his job, Ken. I think he needs at least seven or eight. I think that uh, it's the hottest hot seat in the country. Yeah, and they better get those before November because, my oh my, the schedule Nebraska faces uh, in November. Uh, daunting to say the very least. David Eichel, great stuff. You're on the ground in Indianapolis at Lucas Oil. We appreciate you uh, sneaking away for a few minutes to talk to me. Thank you, David Eichel. We'll talk to you in the weeks ahead. Appreciate it. Uh, yeah, always good talking to you, man. Thank you. Yep, good to talk to you. Uh, David Eichel, 24-7 sports, uh, HawkeyeInsider.com. Uh, some good stuff out of uh, the Big Ten Network again. What a great tool, great resource uh, to have if you can't be there. Um, you want to follow along, listen to some of the coaches, what they have to say. Are they going to make any news? Probably not. But at the same time, um, you kind of an insight into the way that uh, they're thinking this is going to come together. And it has to come together on the offensive side of the ball. I couldn't agree more with David Eichold. But how's it going to work out, right? I mean, if indeed it doesn't go well, let's just allow ourselves to go down that road for a second. And it's very apparent that you have to go in a different direction. How do you fire your son? I mean, you had to know that when you hired your son that there may come a time where you have to fire your son before you get into this. See, I don't think he would have to do that. I believe that if indeed we get to that point, and I'm on the Petrus bandwagon, so I'm not, I don't think it's going to happen. But for this conversation, we'll say it does, have, it does happen. I think Brian would off himself. I don't think he would force his dad uh, to do that, I just, I, I just can't, um, I can't see it playing out that way. But again, he's got a hot seat. There's no doubt about it. You've got to get, and and the wide receiver depth is an issue. And they got some good guys that can play. We know Keegan Johnson can play. Regani's been there a long time. Arlen Bruce, I think, is going to burst uh, onto the scene in his sophomore year, and he had his moments last year. I'm anxious to see see Brody Brecht. I mean, go back to his high school days. Brecht was. I mean, he was phenomenal at Ankeny, right? He was the guy at Ankeny before Arlen Bruce got there. Um, but after that, Vic, I wonder why he ended up on the depth chart the way he did. I did not know Jackson Ritter is out for the entire year. Uh, you're going to need some dudes there. The offensive line has to be good, and they've got a new center, a guy that was playing defense last year. We've seen this before. You know, moving a guy from the defensive side of the ball that goes to the center position. And, oh, by the way, does very well and gets drafted very high. Um, questions on the offensive side of the ball. 
Defensive side of the ball, stout, legit. One other thing, and I should have asked David this, but I think we've asked every uh, one of our um, guests that have joined us. Um, kicking game, right? Kicking game. They've been spoiled. They've had kickers uh, over the last, I don't know, decade or so. When it when it comes to a long field goal, when it comes to a you know whatever you you need a field goal to clinch this game or to take the lead in this game in the waning seconds of the football game you felt pretty good about whoever was going out i uh, was going to make it happen we don't know about these dudes i mean a true freshman in drew stevens is listed as number 2 and apparently he's going to be the guy that pushes bloom um who i know nothing about i don't think very many people um uh, know nothing about him but they've been spoiled in that position over the years. Uh, we shall see. Uh, take Jeremiah before we get the break. Uh, no, don't. No, no time. We are going to take a quick time out. I'm uh, going to come back. Going to help our friends over at Raccoon Valley Little League. Uh, they got a big fundraiser coming up. A big uh, golf tournament fundraiser. We'll get into that. Ross Edwards, one of the coaches over there, is going to join us. Been a pretty popular spot for Little League over the last. Ooh, number of years uh we'll uh, do spend a few minutes on that before we get to 11 then back to college football with bama bob we'll get into the big 10 maybe a little bit on the acc since trent's gone we'll sneak that conversation i don't know what it is about that conference just hates it <laughs> uh and then david kaplan from chicago looks like wilson Contreras has played his final home game likely ian happ as well bears conversation of the bears really legitimately now considering Putting a lid on Soldier Field, I think it's too little too late. Cappy coming up about 11.35. Miller and Condon on Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3 KXNO. Now back to Miller and Condon on 106.3 KXNO. Here's Ken and Trent. Hi, Miller and Condon. Welcome back to Moines Sports Station 106.3 KXNO. We take you until noon. Trent on vacation. He's back a, a week from today. Well, as we mentioned, the first annual Raccoon Valley Little League Charity Classic is going to be held. It's a golf tournament coming up at Willow Creek. Uh, foursomes will compete in 18-hole scramble prizes. Your entry fee includes golf balls, t-shirt, as well as lunch. All proceeds go uh, to support Raccoon Valley Little League. To sign up, uh, go to our rvllclassic at gmail.com. Slots are filling up with more on this uh, and what they're looking to do over there. Ross Edwards, one of the coaches uh, at Raccoon Valley, uh, he joins me. Ross, Ken, thanks for coming on. How are you? Doing well. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. So what are you guys uh, trying to accomplish over there uh, at Raccoon Valley Little League? What are you facing? What are some of the uh, hills that you guys have to climb? I mean, so there's... There's a few. I don't want to make things look too grim, but I don't know. I don't want to make it look like everything's perfect either. Um, you know, when the the pandemic happened, it, it had wide ranging effects on on all sorts of aspects of life, and uh, the little league saw that as well. Uh, many of our volunteers were um, elderly people, and and they stepped away after the pandemic and have been hesitant to return. Um, so that's left our our organization um, shorthanded. Uh, we're entirely run off of volunteers, and so our board, when I was a kid, was 
you know, 20 plus individuals. And now it's, it's down to about 10 to 15. Um, so it's, it's a lot more work for the few that are, are volunteering. Uh, when did you play? I mean, how long? How long is this? Is a, this is the big complex on Park Avenue, right? Correct. Uh, you played uh, what? What? How? How many years ago did you play? And now you're so coaching, I, correct? Yeah, that's correct. So I started when I was three years old, wow. um, and that was 25 years ago. And I actually still have a couple friends from that team. Uh, the my T-ball rack. Uh, I think we were the the Cardinals actually. Mm-hmm. Um. But I, I played for about 12 years until I turned 15. Um, and this year was my first year as a coach. And then at the most recent board meeting, I, I was voted in onto the board. So um, trying to do my part and get involved and help keep the, the league alive. Uh, for those that aren't familiar, uh, South Des Moines uh, recently lost their little league status. I, I think it was due to just a lack of volunteers. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and now the county and the city's running it and using it more for tournament ball. Um, which, you know, I, I think that little league is really important because if, if players don't have the ability to learn the fundamentals, then they won't make it onto one of those tournament, tournament ball teams. And then we'll be left without, without opportunities to play baseball. Well, one of the reasons I was so willing to uh, to devote some airtime to this is I remember my little league at, at time. It, it it really does make an an influence on you as as a, as a as a young kid, uh, I guess. All right, so but listening to you, it sure seems like the lifeblood of this. And I would have been totally wrong on this. Um, I would have thought you know you need umpires, you need coaches, you need kids. Obviously, the kids are going to be there, but volunteers is really something that you're uh, that you're stressing. If there are people out there that you know maybe got away because of the COVID, or maybe you're in a spot now that uh, that you are retired, you had uh, kids go through the uh, go through the Raccoon Valley, and maybe you want to give back a little bit. Is that seems to me that's your biggest need, right, Ross? Yeah, that's correct. I mean, so it seems like a lot of parents are willing to donate money or, or um, you know, sign up their kids, and, and they're not worried about registration fees, um, which we try to keep low so that it's uh, feasible for all, all walks of life. Um, but, yeah, the, the getting people to sign up and, and spend their time down at the league is, is a little bit more challenging. Golf tournaments August the 14th at Willow Creek. Uh, more information can be found where? Um, so we have a Facebook event uh, that's a, a link to our Facebook account. Um, if anybody has any questions, they can reach out to me at uh, rvllclassic at gmail.com, um, and I'd be happy to, to help out. Um, it's it's going to be a fun event. A lot of uh, We have like 11 of our 18 teams already signed up oh, with great. a few more um, expressing interest. Um going to be a fun fun event the uh willow creek has been really helpful in getting everything set up and then we're going to have a lunch down at the fields afterwards we'll set up some l screens and and have some batting practice as well for those that haven't played baseball in a while hmm. um just going to be a fun event hopefully like a, a renaissance of so to speak to uh kind of get Racken valley back up on its feet 
We will do our part here to uh, to help you with this endeavor. Uh, I think our commercials uh, playing. I'm going to do a bunch of live reads and appreciate you coming on, Ross Edwards. Best of luck to you and all the folks over there. If you are in the, if you got a spot, you've got some extra time. Uh, you played little league baseball way back in the day, and you'd like to give back. Uh, you can go to the Raccoon Valley Little League dot com. Raccoon Valley Little League dot com. I see the link where you can uh, sign up, registration, volunteer info, etc. Ross, best of luck. Thank. Thank you. Thanks for having me. No, appreciate it. Ross Edwards, one of the coaches over there at Raccoon Valley Little League. All right, that's going to do it for the first hour of the program. Hour two, we will get into, well, some college football. Surprise, surprise. Bama Bob going to join me next. We'll uh, talk with Bama, do a little finish up on the Big Ten. A lot of ground we didn't get to yesterday. We'll do that. Uh, do a little ACC as well. Is Clemson back? Not so sure. We'll pick Bama's brain on that. And then David Kaplan, off to Chicago. We shall go at about 11.35. Miller and Condon until noon. Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3 KXNO.